So, Mark chapter 9, <clears throat> let's, I'll read through this, and we're going to, there's so much good stuff here, you guys, um, as always, of course, but I think I'm probably only going to make it through verse 8, we'll see how it goes. So, and he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. Suddenly, uh, suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anywhere, but only Jesus, but only Jesus with themselves. So, I f studying this, like at first, this verse one where it, it goes, he's saying, and he said to them, and surely I say to you, that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. And when I first read that, you guys, I'm like, that shouldn't be in chapter nine. That should be, Rory should have finished up with that. And then in the other accounts, I don't remember if it's Matthew or Luke. Um, it actually is in that. So I was like, I'm right. It just messed up in Mark. But anyway, but it's not, you know, and of course it doesn't matter where the chapter starts or in, you know, a lot of times it'd be good when we, our Bibles have the have headings before the chapters. We should sometimes we should read through that and take that out, you know. And then as we dig in, we can go ahead and kind of insert that back. And sometimes that's helpful because it it can jumble things up. But regardless, my point of that is that um, I'm going to come back to to verse one. I'm going to start out today in verse two, and not because it doesn't go with this, because it absolutely does. Just like um, I said earlier, like like let's keep this in the back of our mind what we what we learned last week about the cost of discipleship and denying self. So verse two, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on the high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And so studying this, you know, Calvary Chapel Way is breaking it down verse by verse. And uh, so like that's in my mind and I'm thinking, okay, come to it. Okay, Peter, James, John. Okay, why them? There's, you know, there's more, there's more disciples than that. There's more apostles than that. So it, but really like think about it, reading the new Testament. These are some, these are some heavy hitters, right? These are some guys that wrote some very important books in the new Testament. So I, there's the, you know, that's, that's the reason Jesus took them up on the mountain and these three guys. And it also, and we'll get into a little later, Hopefully, if I remember, when we get in a little farther down, it also they these three guys resemble um, 
something that we relate to today as well. So, so the, in the, my first thoughts on that and, um, is because these guys are, these, these are Jesus's stud 18 players. Okay. And, um, he's, then we go into verse three, he's clothes, his clothes, Jesus's clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no longer on earth could whiten them. So this is, this is an image of, of Jesus, his deity in flesh. This is an image of Jesus is God. Okay. We all know John one, one, right? Like in the beginning, there was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? We all, we all know that and say like, if we're, if we're talking to people that don't believe in the Trinity, you know, we're always going to go there. Well, a lot of people, if, if they don't believe in the Trinity and they believe in their religion, they're, they're going to already going to have something for that. And I'm not talking about going out and um, evangelizing so much, but I'm just saying like, this is another good little nugget to keep in your back pocket of that shows us this passage here that Jesus is saying, I am God. You know, we're the same. And so we see that because who is the only one that has walked the earth completely sinless? Jesus was, right? No other man on the planet has or ever will. That's another way. Well, it's only possible because he's God. So, um, let me see here. And we'll see later as we go on too that, um, you know, he's shown like this um, to just to represent to us that, you know, we just we worship Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. We worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing else. Nobody else. Nothing. Nobody. Nothing. So transfiguring, you guys, is just is Jesus changing his appearance. Right. And he's just it's an image of. It's a heavenly image is what it is when Jesus transfigures up there and he's, he's so white, he's spotless that there's not, a, there's not a cleaner on the planet that could get him or his clothes as white as he was. It's impossible. So it's just, he's, he's shown us this image of, of heaven and that he is God. And, um, and there's, he's shown us that he is that and that he's shown us that there's no other way to heaven without him. And so going into verse four, and Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Okay, reading this, you guys, I think I've said this in the last time I thought, there's so much stuff, man. If you do not tear it down and break it apart, you just read through it, right? And this would have been one of those. And I have, I've read it and it's like, you just fly through it. Okay, yeah, cool. Jesus showed himself, you know, you read other places where, angels and stuff show up and they're and they're like so white and glistening you can't you can't look at them and you know it's just this image of like in heaven and where there's no sin and no nothing we're, we're too sinful we can't look at that because we can't get there yet until we're in heaven you know we can't look at something so righteous because we're too sinful and you know and the good news is is that by the cost of discipleship by denying self and all this we do get to get there but so by breaking this down like, okay, like, besides the fact, cool, Jesus was there, Elijah, Moses was there, a couple dudes saw it, move on, let's see what else is in the Bible to read. Like, breaking this down, it's, it was incredible. And, like, when I was studying this out, it was just like, oh, my goodness, just, wow, just got me jacked. I was so excited. And let's look at why in the, the couple significance of Elijah and Moses. 
Um, so they're representing the law and they're representing the prophets when, when he shows, they show up with Jesus. The, God is using Moses, you know, or God used Moses to bring the commandments, right? The Ten Commandments, he used, there's actually like 613 commandments. Um, but God used Moses to bring the commandments. And he, if we think back a little church history, why did he do that? Does, you know, well, just like kind of, it's no big deal if we don't know this, but Bible 101, like the Ten Commandments were made for us. God showed us we couldn't do it, right? That's why it sounds like an oxymoron, but he made the Ten Commandments and the, and the 613 or whatever. He made all these commands for Moses to bring to us that was from God to, to get us to realize we can't do it. And the, and the reason for that is so that we would realize we need a Savior. Like, so now it's not an oxymoron, right? We're kind of putting this together that it's making sense. Like, that's why he gave us these commandments that we could never fulfill. We could never not hate our neighbor. We could never not lie. We could never not steal. On and on and on and on and on. Somewhere along the lines, we're going to do it. So God knows that. He knows everything. And he's like, so this is why you guys get the Ten Commandments, the 600 Commandments, to not... To prove that you need somebody to help you get there because you can't do it on your own. Jesus. And these, so then you go to the prophet side of it. All these prophets in the Old Testament, they were just constantly talking about the Messiah to come, right? We understand that from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it's all just pointing to Jesus. Every bit of it. And so right here, there, he's showing us what Elijah's representing and Moses is representing. And then and some more of that even as well. So, and we'll get into some of that. So, um, just like a little blip too, like Elijah, Elijah, I got to make sure I say that correctly. Elijah, not Elisha. Um, Elijah, he was one of the greatest prophets of Israel. You know, so there's, it's, there's a significance, you know, Moses was, we would go back to like some heavy hitters for God before Jesus came. We had Moses and Elijah, right? Like these were some very, these were the A-team stud players, and um, so they're up there in heaven and, they, and they're, they were able to, to be there. And so um, so the, like we have to remember that they are with God there and with Jesus, God. And um, it's a good reminder that they were believers, true believers. And they, and they got to be there to converse with God and to be in heaven. And we, and we see that because like, you know, they didn't come from anywhere else when they just appeared on the mountain with Jesus. And um, so they were faithful believers. So then, um, they're, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm going to jump here. So they're also, you know, like this example of um, people that, that hear him, that hear Jesus, that hear God, right? Haven't we not just been like, we've been getting that pounded into us going through Mark of having ears to hear, you know, and it's more than just hearing than like this act of obedience and what it, what it looks like after you hear and you receive, right? And you trust and you pick up your cross daily and you believe that plan of, of doing that. And so, um, you know, it's a representation of, of true Christians. So again, keep that in mind, you guys, of like last week's sermon of picking up your cross, denying self, all that. Don't let that go away. Um, another... Another way that this is 
an example of using Elijah and and Moses that we you know we don't want to just read over is um that I thought was really interesting and I never would have got it in a hundred years if I wouldn't have studied it is that so think about this like so Moses got old and he died and then he, he goes to heaven right so Elijah I don't know if any, any of you guys know the story of Elijah is that he just he was just taken up he never died he was just taken directly up on the chariot of fire I think or something like that and um so just like you know a little a little plug to you guys of getting involved because I wouldn't have known I wouldn't have known the story of Elijah to put this together if I wouldn't have got like kicked in the butt to like get out of my comfort zone and get plugged in and and it's like say yes to everything to see how the Lord would use me and use gifts or just help serve the body of Christ be one of the little legos to help hold the church up the body of Christ someone had a great idea Rory to put me in children's ministry. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. I'm the last person. I like, I'm sure the mothers are like, who? <laughs> no, not that guy. It's going to be with my kid, right? But they did. And so I sh- the first day or the first time I did it, I show up down there and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. I, don't, I barely like my own kids. and <laughs> That's halfway true. Um, anyways, and so they, they're like, hand me a piece of paper. And like, this is what we're teaching on today. And it's about Elijah and Elisha. And I'm like, oh, great. These kids know more than I do about this, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know the story. I haven't read it yet. But anyway, so it, I had to like, I'm like, they're doing worship. And I'm supposed to be involved with that. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, trying to read this pack as fast as I can. And if you guys listen to me read, I don't read fast. <laughs> you know, so anyways, Praise the Lord, you know, and I'm going to get back on track here, but you guys, like, it was just awesome because it, it, man, like, if we want to say that we want to know the Bible and we want to learn, but, you know, a lot of times we're too tired, like we're just talking about when we started here, we're too tired, we don't, we don't take the time to get into the Word, oh, I'm tired, I'll do it tomorrow, or whatever, at home, man, if we're getting plugged in and we're getting, like, with the church and the body of Christ and we believe we've all come together and we're all the body making all the bricks to make it work to be a healthy body for Christ, like, let's get plugged in. Let's do things. You guys, I don't want to be in children's ministry. I had to do it again last week. Last week was awesome, though, by the way. I loved it. So the Lord's, he can fix monkeys. Um, anyways, like, that's, let's get plugged in. Look, that's another way that the Lord used something to make me learn about the Bible. And now I get to relate it and know it when I'm, like, I'm teaching it, you know, again, really, in a way. So that's how I know about Elijah and versus Elisha because I was like, yeah, they're the same. Just like Abram and it turned into Abraham. I was like, oh yeah, they're the same. And like, no, they're not, Joe. They're absolutely not. And so it was, it was great. It was another way that the Lord was just teaching me to dig in, know the word and read the Bible. So back to the, while we're here, <laughs> um, where was I? So, um, so thinking about that, you guys, so we have, we have Elijah and we have Moses. And so keep that in your mind. So Moses actually died of this world and, he, and then he, he went to heaven because he was a, a guy that lived for God, right? He obeyed, he heard him, he believed him. And, and so like he's in heaven and we see that because he appeared here with Jesus on the mountain. Okay. And then we have Elisha or Elijah that, um, was just taken up, was raptured up. And I'm not talking about end time stuff. Rapture just means simply caught up instantly. Boom, in heaven. 
So we get that picture of, um, you know, like it's worth picking up our cross daily. It's worth being mocked or hated. Like they, we try to get them in the doors today by saying, you know, it's a Super Bowl party when we're really like, it's no secret it's a church. So it's not completely like coyote, but like we're just trying to figure out a way to talk to him about Jesus. And like, you know, the Lord can use that. Maybe he won't, maybe he will. We don't know, but there it is. So, um, you know, is it is it worth being clothed in righteousness and partakers of his glory? These guys were clothed in righteousness standing with Jesus. So moving on to verse 5. Um, then Peter answered and said, Jesus, I'm sorry, said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. And so tabernacles, you guys, there's, I was looking that up because I want to make sure like I just painted this perfect picture of what a tabernacle is. And to be honest with you, is, and when you look it up and you look from the Old Testament, when, when the first tabernacle was described, and I don't, I don't remember if it was Moses or somebody, Abraham or something. Anyways, God told him how to make the exact tabernacle to worship God, you know, and it was to build this thing, a place of worship and all that. And then um, as you go on, though, through the Bible, it, it kind of turns into other times where it's like just setting up a, a tent or something. And it's just this, a sacred place built for God and God alone. So let's like, let's remember that. And, but Peter, our good buddy, Peter, that is constantly getting whipped, right? Like this guy, especially going through Mark where he's getting rebuked. Jesus even calls him Satan. Get behind me. You know, cuts the guy's ear off and the here in a little bit, we're going to read about, you know, where's blue sweatshirt taking it off right now. <laughs> Rory, when you're listening to this, <laughs> anyway, okay. So, uh, um, so that's what a tabernacle is, and so that's what he's talking about. He wants to build this sacred place to worship. He's saying, so listen to this, you guys. He's saying to worship Jesus. He's saying to worship Peter. He's saying to worship James. I'm sorry, Elijah and Moses, not Peter. He's that's what Peter's saying. Like, let me build this tabernacle to worship Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, right? And he, they're up there. They're righteous dudes. What's wrong with that? So the problem is, is poor Peter, or the monkey in the blue sweatshirt, is he's just like, he's so zealous for the Lord, right? That's why he's getting in trouble all the times we read this in the Bible, getting rebuked. He's so zealous. You guys, that's great. Let's be zealous, right? But let's do it with wisdom and let's do it by believing the word of God, by hearing God. Let's do it. Let's be zealous for God. But let's be zealous with, with, um, with prayer, with knowing the word, with experience. That's going to come, you know? Like there was a time, it wasn't very long ago, a year ago maybe. Like I just felt like this bulldog on a chain, like turn me loose, Lord, turn me loose, turn me loose. And I'm glad he didn't because I was just going to like, and it was just going to be chasing people down the street versus bringing them into the church. Like I just, I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't equipped. I wasn't praying. I wasn't in the word. I had this zealousness. Like I just had to go. I want to go get them. Like, Lord, man, I'm a worker, man. Turn me loose. Like get this chain off. I'm going. And, but it was good. And it was, man, I like by having leadership over me, by having people I trusted that, that did know the word, like, you know what I constantly heard was like, it's awesome to be zealous, but just like chill out, 
Not, don't go tell the word of God. Yes, not that. But just like chill out, know your stuff, represent Christ well, right? We can't do that if we're not praying, we're not in the word, you know? And then that's where experience comes in after that, right? Because then we're starting to do these things. We're using our gifts. Our Lord gives us and all this stuff. We're fellowshipping more. We're trying to tell people. And then we, now we have experience. And I still mess up like, I shouldn't have said this. I should have left him alone and like kind of let him think what he thinks or her or him or whatever. And just kind of like continually bring the truth in, but not just squash it right away, right? So that's what I mean, experience. And like, the, man, the Lord is still doing that in me and hopefully in you guys too. So like all that rolls together of this zealousness, zealousness for the Lord is great, but let's like put the chain back on. Let's hold on. Let's just hold on for a minute here. And so Peter's doing that. And, uh, you know, again, so Peter's saying, let's build these tabernacles. Let's, um, for these guys. And it's, if he, if he's, he's been walking with Jesus and he's been rebuked even by Jesus at this point, And he's wanting to build a tabernacle for these other guys besides Jesus. What is it? It's, that sounds like it's his idea of how it's supposed to go, not God's idea of how it's supposed to go. And here's why, you guys. Because, and it's funny, let me back up real quick. In Luke's account of this, it says that he was in um, verse 6. It says that um, Peter said this not knowing what he was saying, right? Okay, and it doesn't say it particularly that way in Mark, but in, the, in, the, in Luke's account of it, that's what he says. So, um, so it's interesting when he, he, he's saying this and it, he's overzealous. We're getting that picture. And, you know, and it says in verse six, because he did not know what he, what to say. Or in, and Luke says he did not know what he's saying and for they were greatly afraid. And, and then um, right here in verse seven, it says, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Now we're going to get back to the point of why it was a bad idea for Peter to go up to Jesus and say, let me build a tabernacle, a place of worship for you, for Elijah and for Moses. Now, in Matthew and Luke's account, in verse 7, when, when this cloud comes over and God himself speaks out of this cloud and in a way like reveals himself, right? In, in Matthew and Luke, it says that he, in, he said that that happened while Peter was still talking. So he's silent. He, he said it, shutting him up, like, stop. Because God is, like, God is Jesus, and Jesus was up there with Elijah and Moses. He's saying, like, you're not getting it. You're missing the boat here, kid. You do not build a tabernacle. You don't build a place of worship for Elijah and Moses. These are, these are my, a, this is my A team. They're up here with me. We're, we see that. We see this glimpse of heaven and what heaven is like. But you don't dare. I'm going to interrupt you. Right, just stop right where you're talking. You do not pray or worship Elijah or Moses or the cool, cool guy with the blue sweatshirt, Lonnie. <laughs> Nobody, you guys, not a person. So, like, we think of these things. We don't. We don't worship Saint Peter. We don't worship Mother Mary. We don't worship. It says in the Bible, the only mediator between God and man is Jesus, right? When Jesus died, the earthquake came, the veil was torn in the tabernacle. So no more was it needed that we used man 
to talk to about our sins to get forgiveness from God as that mediator stopped right there. Okay, so, and then, like, we can, we can, we can back that up here, can't we? God comes out of the clouds and stops him while he's talking and is like, knock it off. You've been told and you've been told and you're not hearing me. What does God say there? Hear me, my beloved son. This is my beloved son. Hear me. My son is the only one we worship. Look, these guys, these St. Peter, Mary, Elijah, Moses, these, these are great people. These are people that we read and we are supposed to learn from their mistakes because they were sinful people. We see that. Peter just was rebuked here. We learn from them. They're, these guys are righteous fathers of the faith, right? Like, like these, are, these are our people that we learn from and, and we learn from their mistakes. We don't worship them. They're still sinful men, just the same as we are. So right here, you guys, we, we, can, we can stand firm on the word of God with authority in this. God steps out of the clouds right here and is like, no, we don't worship anybody. Jesus, my beloved son, that's the mediator between you guys and me from now on. That's it. Till we're all together in heaven, whatever, you know, we'll find out exactly what that looks like when we get there. So, um, uh, got ahead of my notes there. Guess I didn't need them. You know, yeah, it's just, I, I just feel like when I read that, you guys, I just feel like God is, and it's just so, he's just beating a dead horse and he's like, I'm tired of this, you guys. How many times I got to tell you, hear me, pick up your cross daily, follow me. Cause if you don't look what happened, I'm telling you what's going to happen if you don't. If you don't die to self, like I said, keep that in the back of your mind last, last week's sermon of the cost of discipleship. If you don't pick up your cross daily and you don't deny yourself and die to self, you cannot live for me. Cannot. We don't get to be on both sides. We don't get to live for ourselves. I mean, same story, guys. This is the gospel, and this is good. Like, as believers, I pray that none of us ever get tired of hearing the gospel, okay? Like, we all need it every day. The gospel's great, but that's the gospel. Like, the need of a Savior, this place where we need to be walking not half in and half out, not double-minded as it talks about in the Bible. Like, we need to be in, all in, and for God. Or things don't look good. We don't get to be in that holy white place where they are so clean and bright and light. Like, we don't get to, we're never going to get to look at them. Like, we don't get to look at them like it's so bright, they can't, we can't look, right? We're never going to get there if we are not all in, all the way. And so... um So ending with that, you're not ending with that, but like that part of it, we've got it nailed down, you guys, but we're just like, nobody's on the same level playing field as, as God, as Jesus. It's the only one to worship. So let's get into verse eight. And it says, suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. So here's Joe's thoughts, you guys. And I just want to make that clear. I, I didn't read it in the Bible. Um, but so why, why does, why is that important that that, that small verse is in there that, um, that he looked around and, and there was no one there, but Jesus, Elijah wasn't there. Moses wasn't there. And it goes back to the same thing. It's because it's Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why, that's why that's in there. That's why every verse, we break down every verse here at Calvary, because we need to remember that, you know, that's important. And, um, you know, like that we need to put 
put our all into something that's not going to perish. Didn't we just we just learn that um, like Moses died, he you know he perished. He's gone. We all know like it's, we're all going to die. We're headed that way. Not, I mean, it could be tomorrow. We're not promised five seconds from now. So it's putting our faith in something that will never perish. That the world tried to prove that would perish. The only thing, the only person that really died, and look what happened. He rose from the grave, Amen. right? So like we, we can biblically stand on that. Something we put our faith in and we lean on and we trust that will never, ever perish. Everything of these worlds, of this world, is going to go away. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Just like, let's, let's always go there when, we, when we're thinking of these worldly things that we might put a little more into than we should. Okay, you guys, now we get to go back to verse 1 and start all over again. Uh, no, you guys, I just really think um, verse 1 it is absolutely a great way to start, to start this, this um, chapter. I think it, I just felt like the Lord was telling me, though, that it's also a great way to end the chapter. And so um, in verse 1, again, I'll read it. It said, And he said to them, Assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. So we see what the, the transfiguration looks like. We see what that looks like. It's heaven, right? Standing there, they're talking with Jesus. Jesus is talking with them. That's what heaven's going to look like if we pick up our cross daily. We choose his way, not our way. Like that's what, hev- that's what the transfiguration showed us. That's what heaven is going to be like, right? It... um. It showed us the, the deity of God in the flesh as a man on earth. It showed us that we don't worship the law because we can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. We don't forget it. We don't not obey it, you know, to the best of our abilities. But we don't, we don't worship the law. We don't worship prophets. We don't worship Elijah. We don't worship the apostles. We don't worship anything but Christ. You know, we read that verse 1 and it's talking about just, it's giving us a glimpse of what, of what heaven is. And, it, you know, he's saying that, you know, some of them standing there will not die till they, till they taste, or till they, they won't taste death until um, they see the kingdom of God. And so let's remember the cost of discipleship. Let's pick up our cross daily, you guys. We do see in this passion, this passage, that um, if we do the if if we hit our knees and we and we beg the Lord to live in us and we submit and die to self, we see that He's going to live in us. We see that um, we get to be in heaven at that point. We get to be one of the saints. We get to be one of the A team that's up there. We get to be spotless. We get to be conversing with the Almighty about the Almighty. You guys. We get to be talking with Jesus about Jesus. So in one of the accounts, it says when, when, it, when it reads it there that um, in verse 4, that Elijah and Moses appeared to them. In one of the accounts, I don't remember which one it is, it says that um, they're talking about 
Jesus is going to be crucified and, and to, to die on the cross. You know, so they're, that's where we see that they're talking. Jesus, they're conversing about God's plan is my point there. Like the, that's what it said they were talking about. So it's, that's, what, that's the good things that we get to see. And uh, real quick to finish, Andy, if you want to come up and get ready for our last song. Um, I want to read this, this part out of this study book of, of Mark, of J.C. Uh, Riley. And I think it's appropriate and okay to read some commentary, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, do we want to just go and plagiarize this and present to people? Nope. But here's the thing, like, if, I'm, if I get into this place where I think that it needs to be Joe's word that Joe brought to the church, that's pointing itself. Because the, God's word has been the same from the beginning as that it will be at the end, right? So if this is truth by J.C. Riley, you know, his, he, like his thoughts, it's still, it's, I'm not bringing anything different. Like I, it's the same thing. It's just bringing God's truth. So I don't need to go any farther than that, but my point is like, so I'm going to read this because I couldn't have said it any better. I couldn't have changed the words around or anything to say any better. This, it, was, it was powerful to me. So he says, um, the whole conclusion of the vision was calculated to leaving a lasting impression on the minds of the three disciples. It taught them in the most striking manner that their Lord was as far above them uh, that their Lord was as far above them and the prophets as the master of the house is above the servants and that they must in all things believe, follow, obey, trust, and hear him. Finally, the last words of the voice from heaven are words that should be ever before the minds of all true Christians. They should hear Christ. He is the great teacher that they would be wise, that they would be wise, must learn of him. He is the light of the world. They that would not err must follow him. He is the head of the church that or they that would be living members of his mystical body must ever look to him. The grand question that concerns us all is not so much what man says or ministers say or what church says, or what councils say, but what says Christ? Hear Him, right? Him, let us hear. You guys pick that up? Him, let us hear. That's another part, right? In Him, let us abide. On Him, let us lean. To Him, let us look. He and He alone will never fail us, never disappoint us, never lead us astray. Happy are they who know experimentally the meaning of the text. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I couldn't have closed any better than that. I don't think anybody could. Like that, I mean, that was... That was money right there. That was that just painted it all. That's where we go. That's where we lean. If we want to see heaven, that's it.
So we can close our stuff, you guys, and let's let's pray.